Hello and welcome to another installment of JP Morgan's Global Debt Pod Podcast. This is Hiroshi Wai, Chief Japan Economist from JP Morgan, and I'm joined today by Takafumi Yamawaki, Head of Japan Rates Research, and Ben Shatil, Head of Japan FX Strategy. Today, we will address the potential sequence of the BOJS move toward the exit and its impact on the markets because in the past, we thought this move was not in sight, but quite recently, risk of such a move seems to be gradually advancing. Okay, Ugaisan, let, let me begin the conversation with a, a question on the macro backdrop. Um, we can all see other central banks moving towards rate hikes, um, and BOJ is, is clearly lagging in terms of the, the pack of central banks moving towards the exit door. Um, I guess the background to that is that, you know, there's still a sense that the 2% inflation target is, is some way away. But I suppose what has changed over the past, you know, the past several months or so is that we've had a, a surge in import prices. Um, and clearly, there's a, a sort of a global trend towards um, tightening. Um, I suppose markets are starting to, to sort of toy with the idea that we, we might get an earlier BOJ move towards the exit. So, I mean, Ugaisan, how are you thinking about, about that question? Do you think that the BOJ, the Bank of Japan, will be able to start moving towards the exit door in the next couple of years? Thank you, Ben. In our baseline scenario, the BOJ starts its move toward the exit after 2023. But if inflation rises more than we anticipate, or the BOJ puts more weight on solid economic growth and the side effects of its easing policy and less on achieving the price stability target, it may take a first step in early 2023, but the earliest. Okay, so under those conditions that, that, that you just laid out, what would be the sequence for the BOJ to start adjusting policy? Yeah, we can stick of the BOJS exit process based on the BOJS various commitment and analogy of other major central banks exit from QE. And we expect a sequence for the BOJS exit will be like this. First, the BOJ has already started tapering its asset purchases without any intention to more to uh, move toward the exit. And further reductions of asset purchases will continue. And second, the true first step toward the exit likely will raise long-term rates, probably by shortening the yield target from 10 years to five years. And third, we expect the BOJ to abandon the yield curve control. For the fourth, the next step likely will be to uh, raise overnight policy rate from the minus 0.1%. And the last step likely will be to reduce the BOJ's balance sheet, that is quantitative tightening. Okay, so let's let's think about the what what the sort of risk scenario looks like. Um, you know, by the end of next year, how far do we think that the Bank of Japan will will be able to have moved? Uh, well, the, even as a risk scenario, we expect shortening long-term yield target from ten years to five years only. For the BOJ to do this, we see three conditions: CPI inflation exceeding one point five percent year-on-year rate and approaching two point zero percent inflation expectations rising clearly, and no concerns of a significant slowdown of consumption and economic growth. As a baseline scenario, it likely will be difficult to meet all of them by the end 2023, but it is true that inflation has the highest uncertainty. If a further rise in inflation globally backed by strong global demand, or the combination of further rise in energy prices and depreciation of the 
yen boosted Japan's inflation. And if inflation expectations also rise clearly, while uh, higher inflation won't slow down the economic growth significantly, then we expect the BOJ will conduct the adjustment to yield curve control. Another possible option would be to raise the 10-year yield target from the current 0.0% to say 0.2%. However, the BOJ may prefer not to use this option partly because it would take time to raise the 10-year yield target gradually to the neutral rate. And partly because a larger increase in the 10-year yield would directly cause financial institutions holding large amount of JGBs to incur huge losses. Understood. Okay, so let's let's talk about a more extreme scenario um, in which, let's say, U.S. ten-year yields climb all the way to, to you know three percent or above. You have dollar yen going up to one hundred and twenty, maybe one hundred and twenty-five. What what does the Bank of Japan response look like in that sort of an environment? Would that be a trigger for you know more aggressive policy sort of policy action? Mm. In such an extreme case, we cannot rule out the possibility that the BOJ would allow the 10-year yield to rise above its target band before shortening the target. The BOJ's controllability for 10-year target is strong in that the BOJ owns 50% of JGBs in the market and can purchase more if needed. Thus, maintaining the current yield curve control would logically become more stimulative for the economy. That said, the uh, extreme yen depreciation would provoke uh, political pressure as many households and domestic small farms would push back against the resulting rising cost. Then the BOJ might allow long-term rates to rise somewhat above the band temporarily to relieve uh, depreciation pressure on the yen. Uh, okay, son. Uh, you mentioned uh, raising the overnight rate uh, from negative zero point uh, negative uh, zero point one percent uh, toward the end of policy normalization sequence. Uh, but some market participants uh, seem to be uh, considering a potential BOJ's exit uh, from negative interest rate policy. Is that a bar uh, too high uh, for the BOJ? Yeah, Mark son. This will be difficult for the BOJ to realize. Since the short-term policy rate is the core of the policy transmission channel, the harder for liftoff on the overnight policy rate is much higher than the adjustment to YCC. This is because while in the US, long-term rates affect economic growth and inflation significantly through, say, its impact on housing demand. In Japan, monetary policy affects mainly through credit intermediation of banks where more than half of their loans are spread lending or loans linked to short-term prime lending rate. As a precondition for overnight rate policy rate lies, we see above 2% CPI inflation for at least a couple of months, backed by accelerating wage growth. We expect then the BOJ to wait for wage growth to accelerate, but the labor market has not reached the labor shortages seen from 2017 to early 2018. Since Japanese firms tend to regard labor costs as fixed and their labor income shares are relatively high, it likely will take time for wage growth to accelerate, even after government measures to push up wages become effective. Uh, okay, so uh, Governor Crow, the uh, current term will come to an end uh, in April next year, and uh, this is likely the most important focus point in the markets. 
Uh, is it possible that the BOJ may move for, uh, move toward uh, policy exit at the first base uh, once a new governor takes office? This may happen in our view. Among centuries members of the current board, Kuroda seems to be the most aggressive in achieving 2% target at the earliest possible date. The nominee for the next governor will mainly be chosen by Prime Minister Kishida, and he favored early policy normalization prior to 2020. The next governor likely will follow Kuroda's direction initially, but as the risk of a return to deflation becomes minimal in 2023, it is likely that he or she will gradually put more weight on, on economic growth and the side effects of the current easing policy. The traditional terror rule and our forecast would point to an overnight rate above positive 1% at both end of this year and end of the 2023. This implies that the BOJ to delay the liftoff from the effective lower bound like temporary price level targeting. This also implies that after the, the economy normalizes, if the BOJ under the new governor doesn't attach a lot of weight to achieving the target at the earliest possible date, it could lift off earlier if it can foresee CPI inflation reaching the target. And turning to the market impact of the BOJ's move, Yamaksan, the long-term JGB seems to rise somewhat recently. Are this move incorporating the change in their views on the BOJ? The five-year JGB and the 10-year uh, JGB uh, rate uh, trade around negative one base point and 18 base point uh, respectively. Uh, five-year and the 10-year are both trade at uh, their highest level uh, since the uh, introduction of negative interest rate policy uh, in 2016. Uh, Meteor uh, continue to report on the BOJ policy exit uh, even after the January monetary policy meeting, uh, which have contributed uh, to a uh, rise uh, in JGB rates of late uh, to some degree. That said, uh, we believe uh, the latest round of overseas uh, rate sell-off and the lack of domestic investors' risk appetite uh, to purchase JGBs uh, near the end of fiscal year have weighed uh, more on the JGB market. Uh, in addition, uh, rebalancing flow uh, from pension funds have also uh, put upward, upward pressure on rates. Understood. Then I would like to ask the reaction of JGBEs if the BOJ starts to move toward the exit. Though we have already discussed the sequence, the path may change depending on inflation and economic and financial conditions. Thus, I would like to ask the expected reaction of JGBEs in various scenarios by dividing them into the plausible risk scenarios and other scenarios under a stronger set of assumptions. Uh, we have prepared eight policy change scenarios uh, for the next uh, one to two years. Under a possible risk scenario, uh, the BOJ could switch to a five-year YCC uh, while maintaining NARP, or it could keep a 10-year YCC with NARP, but uh, raise the 10-year target. In either case, uh, the considering that uh, uh, the significant uh, rainbow reduction is difficult, that we think uh, there's limited room uh, for higher uh, five-year GGB rates as long as uh, NAP is maintained. That said, uh, we believe uh, rise uh, and 10-year uh, GGB is inevitable uh, as long as there's a policy change uh, in some way or another. 
and uh, it may rise to uh, 15 to uh, 35 base points. Uh, on the super long band, uh, we do not think uh, the 10s, 20s curve uh, would move uh, meaningfully under the, these uh, cases. Uh, under the tail uh, risk scenario, uh, we could think of the cases uh, in which the BOJ may return to uh, zero, inter zero interest rate policy or unwind YCC. Uh, if the BOJ returns to ZERP, uh, we expect a five year to rise meaningfully. Uh, tenure may rise to uh, 25 to 50 base points, and uh, we expect our 20 year to steeper. Uh, that all being said, the, our main scenario is that uh, there will be no major policy changes uh, in the near future. I see. Thanks. Then, Ben, based on these forecasts of JGBUs under various scenarios, how do you see the implied fair values of the uh, dollar yen? Again, please explain the potential reactions of the dollar yen rate by dividing the scenarios into the plausible risk scenario and other scenarios under a strong set of assumptions. Thanks, Sugai san. Well, you know, I think the main point is that in any scenario, uh, the BOJ beginning to exit ultra easy policy is going to lead to some yen appreciation. And, you know, I think the question is, you know, how much is the yen going to strengthen? So if I look at the, you know, what you're describing is the more plausible scenario where the BOJ only makes a, a small change to its YCC framework and JGB yields only rise, you know, something like 20, 30 basis points at the long end. Um, you could argue that dollar yen might need to be something like one or 2% lower. So the yen appreciates something like one or 2% against, against the dollar. But I think in, in your, your sort of risk scenario where the BOJ does ultimately begin to raise the policy rate, obviously we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have to think about a much larger impact on the yen. Um, I think that really depends on, on the state of, of, of play for the Fed at the time, um, you know, and whether any change from the BOJ is, is a total surprise to, to markets or not. I think the risk of a, a larger move probably increases if you get a, a sudden unwind of some of the spec shorts, so the speculative short positioning um, that's built up in, you know, versus the yen over the past year or so. So I guess thinking about that, you know, currently when I look at fair value on dollar yen based on interest rate differentials, um, you know, you can argue that the, the, the pair dollar yen is maybe one or two yen too low based on that, that kind of a metric. So perhaps the market's already starting to think about the idea um, that, you know, that we're getting some sort of a move from the BOJ um, on the horizon. Furthermore, it may be worth noting that the rise in JGBUs has the potential for shifting the dynamic on Japanese flows into overseas assets. How do you foresee this capital flow and the potential impact on the dollar yen? Right, I mean, that's an important question because as we all know, Japanese investors are uh, a very large source of demand in, in several fixed income markets. Um, the US treasury market is the obvious one, but you know, Japanese investor buying of, of things like Chinese bonds has also been very, um, you know, very large recently. So when we look at what influences the appetite um, or the amount of Japanese investor buying of overseas bonds, you know, not surprisingly, the, the level of JGB yields or domestic yields is, is an important factor. So the higher the yield on shore, the, the lower the sort of the appetite for, for overseas bonds. And when we put that kind of an idea into a model, um, you know, what the, the sort of the historical experience tells us is that if the JGB 10-year yield were to rise all the way to 1%, 
um, we think Japanese demand for foreign bonds could fall by something like 5 trillion yen. And that's about one quarter, one fourth of the 2016, 2020 um, annual average. So potentially um, an important downshift in terms of thinking about Japanese investor demand for, for overseas bonds. And in that extreme case of a very sharp rise in, in JGB yields. But I think for, for the yen, maybe not as important because we think most of those, flow, most of those flows are gonna be FX hedged they're not going to involve um, any, any yen selling. Thanks. To conclude today's discussion, until recently, investors' interest in Japan's bond markets and dollar yen markets were little under the pandemic, but their interests are getting back since the possibility for the BOJ's move in future seems to be rising. Though we cannot foresee the BOJ's move as a near-term scenario, we see higher inflation as the most likely catalyst of a change to the 2022 to 23 outlook. We should pay attention to whether inflation scenario may be different from our end market views. Then, since the BOG's move has the potential to provide big impacts on the markets once it starts, we should sharpen our thought on this perspective. Thanks for that in-depth discussion of the BOG's exit path and its impact on the markets. And thanks to everyone who joined today. We look forward to having you join us again on JP Morgan's Global Data Pod. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022 JP Morgan, Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded in February 2022.